ladies and gentlemen, and welcome. Hello, howdy do. Hope you're doing all right. Welcome to the Effort is a Choice podcast. My name is Darren Johnson, and I'm going to bullshit about a whole bunch of nothing for pretty much every episode. So buckle up. I'm going to give a unique perspective on whatever it is that I see at the time, um, mostly to have a documentation of my thoughts, because if it's it's kind of an online journal, is what uh, <laughs> I keep getting told, which, um, yeah, fuck you guys. I don't give a shit. I'm going to tell some stories. I'm going to give some perspectives. I'm going to walk you through my personal life as it continues to develop, which we're not going to talk about any of that today because fuck me, right? Sometimes it's not always about me. And I believe that actions speak a lot louder than words. So until, you know, some of these plans unravel <laughs> into reality, I'm going to, uh, we're just going to keep our heads down, man. Keep ch- checking off those, uh, five critical tasks every day. I'm, uh, still f- finishing out one of the phases that I should have finished off last year. And I know that's not how the Live Hard program works, but. I figured I would rather suffer through an extra 30 days of something I did not complete, and then I'm going to jump on this year a little late and ride it out with some extra gains, because that's what you do when you are trying to level up. So today, without further ado, I'm sure I've titled this episode that, I'm going to have War Games Take One. This is a subject that I was really hoping to have a guest to run through, because if you're a uh, not familiar with the conversation of war games. It's basically a endless imaginary what if would happen and where you're at. And as much as this sounds like something out of Hollywood or a movie or an entire subject that a lot of people will completely laugh, roll their eyes at and brush over, I personal believe personally believe that that form of I don't know exactly what you'd call it, whether it's ignorance, neglect, or lacter of temperature on the ground, because some people live in a reality where they truly believe that nothing will ever change their current situation or the way things are, whether it's, you know, taxes, oppression, the government, the rent, whatever it is that is holding them down, that is their their enemy, and that's the way it is, and they can't really see things getting worse. And then there's a side of people who, you know, judge everyone who says that there could potentially be something catastrophic strike the fabric of America. Those are tinfoil hat people who are, you know, talking complete conspiracy theory and things that will ever happen. Well, welcome to 2024. Do you feel like any of those suggestions are real yet? This is going to be a very interactive episode as far as what I'm going to need from anyone who listens to this. Whether you don't think any of that's possible, you know, whether it's something completely out of left field, whether you're wanting to, you know, play along like it's a it's a game. It's why it's war games. What I find the most interesting when I would have these conversations, you know, in general with people I worked around, it was always something that would come to my mind in certain current certain situations, right? I do. I did construction. I work in fire safety. I would bring certain things to attention, 
we would have conversations about what ifs and I would endlessly provide like, holy crap, there's a lot of room here for air that relies on a very thin fabric of human, you know, testing, inspection, overwatch, like all, all the above that could so easily be, you know, manipulated for negative use if that was like terrorist intention behind it, right? And what is terrorism? Um, that is any attack, right, on a person that did not ask to be attacked. That is terrorizing an innocent person that did not volunteer for war, right? Not a soldier, not a, an, uh, anyone with any oath to defend, just a byproduct of an environment that happens, right? So war games, that's why it's a game because you need to play along and put yourself in perspective. And uh, yeah, like I said, a lot of the times when I played this game with people I worked around, what I found the most revealing is people's tint People tend to think that when a certain situation occurs, they're going to rise to this occasion that they have never, ever performed at before in their life, right? Like the same kid who would be playing video games on his phone would be telling me without looking up from the screen how he's got this in his closet and he bought this many rounds and, you know, his neighbor down the street and, you know, without even taking into effect that like, dude, I work around you. Been around these people for two or three years at this point. You know, I'm very aware that you can spin your wrench about three times without taking a deep breath because you can't do it anymore. I'm very aware of how much you can lift when we're trying to drag this trash can full of fittings and sprinkler heads down the stairwell and you would rather push it a mile back to the elevator because you can't fucking do it, right? So that is the level of ignorance that I feel a lot of people are brought to immediately when you talk about war games. What could potentially go wrong in society that would lead to what? You know, and that's such a great, you know, thing. And I love to, to bounce it off of people. Like, how do you think it would kick off? What would be phase one? What would happen? What do you think would develop after that? And what do you think it would lie out? And there's documentaries about this. Hollywood has a unsung, unlimited amount of what-ifs that they have put into the world. And, uh, and then, you know, certain people have this imaginary view of what they have pictured in their head based off of those Hollywood influences. And then every now and then I have a conversation with someone who's as real as far as what they would do and what they think would happen. And uh, I have yet to really bounce it off of someone who's been in some of these situations, like in other countries where other, other governments have fell apart or municipalities or regulations or all of those dotted white lines that are painted on the pavement that hold our fabric together that we call society, right? These imaginary things. So the way that I think it would all play out, this is, uh, I guess, yeah, this is where we actually start diving into it. So this is my war games. And of course, just like herding cats, it's going to get a little off topic in certain places, but I'm going to try to go down the list, um, best I can. And this to me, I, like I said, I've never experienced the aftermath of it. So this is always 
been my idea of just, I call it like day one, week one, right? Like how it would actually fall apart. And there's a couple different patterns or ways that it could go down. It's not all going to be the exact same scenario that I play out every time. These are just the ones that uh, I think are most relevant. And this whole episode is here because I have been had some of these things in my mind since I was literally 15, 16 years old. And that sounds, you know, silly or whatever. But since I was in middle school or at a young age, I would look at my buddies around me and we'd be, you know, out hanging out. Like, dude, what would happen if like five power plants shut down at the same time? Like what would happen if all the city water and all the city power was unturn onable for 10 days? Half of the fat fucks that I went to school with would have died if they couldn't have charged their cell phone. The other half, their entire family would have starved if they couldn't have went to the store down the street. And I, I don't know. It's just like, what else? What could possibly happen, right? So that's been something I've always asked since middle school. Another question that I like to ask a lot is, uh, what would happen if like, the guy who lives at the end of your street, the street that you live on now, Think of your neighborhood, right? And this is where you're playing the game with me. And he walked up to his someone in his family, someone that was in the yard, whatever, and for any apparent reason necessary, he shot them in the face. Now, normally, you're thinking cops get called, right? EMTs, emergency response. If it's a, royal, if it's a suburban community where a lot of these things don't generally happen, you're probably going to have news crews, right? The whole caution tape, a lot of a lot of manpower, money, and situational control into this one incident. Sorry, I'm a little, like, it's freezing. I'm kind of out of breath because I'm cold, but I don't know what it is. Anyway, so yeah, that guy shoots somebody in the face. A lot of control is going to go into that situation. Now, what happens if, for whatever reason, let's say five people shoot five other people within a... 10 mile radius i don't care if you live in a populated metro city a suburban area or a complete royal cow county there is very limited amount of response to properly hold that amount of chaos together in five separate entities right especially you know considering were they isolated one-off incidents were these you know, a group of people going from home to home? Is there a, 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 you know, control aspect to that? Like what damage is potentially trying to be caused by how many people in what area? And how quickly could that turn your, you know, white picket fence neighborhood where everyone waves at each other and walks your dogs, whether it's in a gated community or a subdivision, like how quickly could... 20 gentlemen or 20 pieces of shit with extreme training from somewhere else make that neighborhood such a, you know, chaotic field of situation to control. And what would it take in response from our policing, you know, does National Guard need to be called in? Are there army units at that point? Are there houses being taken up? Are there, there large armed fires being gone on to, to multiple civilians? And if all of that happens in one neighborhood at one time, how do we respond to it? What if that were to happen to 100 neighborhoods on the same day? 
What if that were to happen to a thousand neighborhoods on the same day? And what if that very same day, all of the uh, municipalities, this this is where I go into, uh, we're going to hurt a little cat here, right? So uh, I've said before that I believe all of the warfare throughout the world, ex- mostly, especially in the last 20 years, 24 years, uh, 21 years, has been basically a test to see how populations react to certain experimental warfares in other communities. Rather, it's it's just human behavior analysis that they want to dial into a science so that they can control certain aspects of outcomes on what they expect to happen. And if you look at the initial invasion of Iraq that happened on March 20th of 2003, the shock and awe campaign was the initial airstrike on all government-controlled municipalities that kept their systems operational. It was radio towers so that there was no radio through communication were, I believe, you know, I don't, please don't quote me on this because I'm sure there's somebody who knows the actual like history timeline who's going to like quote me on all that. I think that the radio towers were the exact first target. And then within the hours, other aircraft began to target power plants, water plants, uh, sanitary, uh, the trash trucks and the dumps, right? They're blowing all them things up so that they completely destroy any of the fabric at the time. And within that first 24 hours, the people there were initially, you know, they, they had a shitty leader. They, their leader was putting them down and doing horrible things. So all of these people in these positions, you know, became initially relieved of that. So what if your country had a really bad leader? What if he was compromised by other countries? What if he was so fucking dumb and doing so much stupid shit that he would 100% in the obvious make every move he could to make all of your defenses as weak as possible? To make your military, you know, aircraft, air defense, homeland, blah, 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 as weak as it possibly could so that it could be all airstruck to those you know, mere images of the shock and awe campaign here in America. Let's just say that could happen. Not saying that is the particular case. Not saying that's our particular situation. But you can size that shoe up how you want and put it whatever foot you want to put in it. Right up somebody's fucking ass to. So, if that were to happen here, that's that's how I think it would go down. It would be a mix of individuals on the ground because i mean is there millions of undocumented illegals that have crossed the border recently in our times is there a potential that homeless camps are highly trained special forces from other places is it very easily obtainable to disrupt every municipality that holds the average american together i don't know man I damn sure think so. I want to mention of all the shit, right? So that's that's what I think of. And and from a fire safety construction point of things, I'm not going to like, yeah. I have been in so many situations where I've looked at something here and I've looked at something there. Uh, 
the World Trade Center 9-11 thing, I don't want to get too much into that, but even just from a construction point of view, I remember saying, like, you know, I had a cousin who went to war. There was just a lot of things I didn't believe, and I had an older gentleman when I was probably in 22, 23, working on a job site, welder, and uh, this dude was almost red in the face. He was so convinced telling me about how buildings are built. Like, he wasn't talking about, you know, I was talking about conspiracy theories and all these things that weren't proven and there was no evidence. Now there's a slew of these things, but he was red in the face telling me about how when you build a building, you get an inspection per floor. And he was comparing all of his things to kind of our sprinkler inspections, how you get a, a temporary occupancy, you get your hangers, you get your, your, your structural inspection, then you get your final inspection when it's all covered up. Like there's steps to these things that cannot be passed or signed off on, right? And he's telling me about how they build high rises in New York City and about how to get from floor, you know, one to 15, there's a certain code because the concrete and the steel and everything has to be a certain thickness and density to support the floor above it. And as you go up in the building and the high rise, the code per floors change due to do they need to move? Apparently, I've never been in a high-rise building in New York. He's telling me that the, when the wind blows, these buildings move. So the higher floors are, you know, less dense material, and the lower ones are made absolutely to support it. And he just tells me that unless everything in that place was 100% manipulated in some way designed to fall, that that is not how a building is built because they are designed to not fall completely down. That's the structural integrity of the codes and the intentions behind the code books and why they're built that way. Is so that if a catastrophe were to strike, there is a certain portion of this building that remains intact. My immediate thought when he said that, you know, being a civilian with no overseas experience, I just think of the, the Hollywood movies, right? Those old war movies where you see the buildings that are like half blown up but yet you can see all four floors on the inside of it and you can see, you know, the remnants of the home that was there, like the cabinets and the kitchen tables and the sink. And you're like, holy shit, they blew half that building up. But it's a ragtag building made out of like sand and stone in the middle of the of the, the, the nowhere or, you know, yeah, it's, it's just it's, it's a weird thought. So those were all things and situations I was like, holy shit. Our fabric of safety, especially when it comes to buildings, is super thin. And I believe it's been hijacked for a long time now. I guess I'm going to come back to War Games in a minute, but I want another note with that one too. Because if you look at the International Building Code for what is required in most structures around the world, it is significantly different than any building code that you'll find here in America and anywhere in any of the states. This came to my attention particularly for working for this money-hungry evil mouse in Orlando, right? Because these motherfuckers, super inspectors, would come out with their capes on and they would find some... Depending on what they had for breakfast that day, they might not even get out their car. They might be laughing, had a great weekend. They'd sign your paperwork and not even look at anything. Other days... They want to come in with a flashlight and a magnifying glass, rubber gloves, and like they're dusting for fucking fingerprints. They're going to find something. And no matter what they would find, um, I'd say, hey, man, that's not in, in FPA 13. You know, it says here, right here, look at this. Oh, we're not going off in FPA 13. We're going to go off Epcot code. Okay, where is that book? I don't have that book, so I got to get that book. 
Well, here in Epcot code, it says this. Oh, we're going to go off international building code. There's an international building code? Like, how do, how do you get to... Oh, so, so they get to make up and decide what book they're going to pull codes from. So me being my, I don't know, odd, curious self who wants to be a dictionary of Euclid's knowledge, I did a lot of digging on where these codes come from. How were they invented in the first place? What is the standard of all of the codes? I went down a rabbit hole with the fire stuff, but I'm not even going to go there now. Back after the atom bomb was invented, you know, shortly in the 40s and 50s, they ran all these experiments in the desert where they would build these structures, right? To the T. They would build homes, government buildings, all these different structures. They would paint the trim. They would make sure the screws were in the doors. They wanted them built perfectly. And then they would blow them the fuck up. I'm sure you've all seen this footage, right, where there's these, these buildings out in the desert and they're being wiped down with these nuclear bombs, those were tests for government standard buildings. So they, there's a lot of books that still exist today, especially in like framing and foundation and all of that, that is based off of those results from them test so that they know what buildings could withstand nuclear blast and that would be, you know, a safe haven in that type of, of catastrophe. So fast forward to 2024. All government buildings, if you've ever done construction, which if you stumbled upon this somehow, you might be a construction worker, you're well aware that when you do a, a government job, whether it's a prison, a school, I think we did a post office one time that had these crazy, like, right, like every, all the codes are more intense, right? Everything has to be double, triple the standard that you would find in a residential home or a commercial building, a Joe Smo, you know carpet shop or, or tile store or something any any regular retail outlet government buildings are built stronger more intense and more you know up to code now when you start doing research on international building codes in different countries guess who has the weakest building codes yep right here at home because in america we want to make everything as cheap and fast as possible so now as long as you know you got way more sprinkler pipe, well, you can make your walls out of sheetrock and metal tin framing and drywall and a five, five, six round will go through nine rooms and out the other side of the building because that's the way that our whole entire country has built its foundation. I don't know why or what that is. I just know that from an infrastructure standpoint, that makes a majority of anyone who doesn't have access to some government compounded building, such as a college, library, you know, something that was built to those standards in an extremely threatened environment had there been an airstrike on anything. Because if there is ever an airstrike, that's going to take place on radio towers, water plants, electric places. There's going to be civilians that all die in the process, right? There's people at work there. There's people driving by. There's people who live near there. There's going to be civilian casualties when that time comes, whether you want there to be or not. So, although I guess that, that's like two different war games going on right there, right? Like I mentioned people coming into your neighborhood, posting up in houses. And like, yeah, you can, you know, I get this like, well, I'm going to run to my closet. You're going to run to your closet, unload your gun from the case and all the bullets before this guy runs up your stairwell. Before he shoots you from the first floor, because like I said, it's going to go through three rooms of your house. Like, if you were to close your eyes right now, 
wherever the, wherever the fuck you're at, home, car, work, and you see a group of dudes off to the left and obviously fucking kitted out outfits, fucking kicking in doors, lighting houses on fires, and then off to your other side, there's fucking booms and air traffic that you've never seen the lights of. Like, in reality... I mean, it's a, it's a fun game to play, right? Like, dude, my heart's beating a million miles an hour. I don't know what I'm doing, right? I'm just, I'm right there with you. Like, I have some sort of, you know, idea, but I haven't dialed that in any way, shape, or form. I'm just telling you to put yourself there. And if you run out of breath, you know, checking the mail, or you might not be able to run a mile or do 10 push-ups, or you've been drunk off your ass for the last, you know, year of your life, or you don't put any effort into controlling your input and output of your brain and your physical body, like what are your choices? And if you are perfectly able to say, you know, maybe you're in my shoes, maybe you're saying, I don't know what I would do, but I would find safety. I would, I would get to a, to some point to where, you know, you try to be as safe as possible. You get your loved ones, whether it was, you had a place to go, you had a home you could hunker down in, you would try to find safety immediately, right? You would want to move to where there was no danger. Like, are you capable of physically moving? And let's say you are, you are perfectly capable of doing all that. Think about the people around you. Think about the fucking line at McDonald's that's wrapped around every time and all those people in their cars. Go to Walmart, look around, go to any box store, go to Lowe's, Go, go to Whole Foods, look around. What would those people do with no power, no water, and people going house to house, taking anything they wanted? What would they, what could they do? And if you were perfectly capable, how strong are you in your community? No matter what you have, what is your skill set, Right? You, you, I meet so many guys who think that because they have guns, that makes them capable. Or they think because they can go to the range and hit a target on a bunch of squares, that makes them capable. Like, have you ever ran? Have you ever done a bunch of jumping jacks and push-ups and got up and then tried to run and you know do a burpee and up and down and up and down and up? Like, how many miles are you hitting your targets correctly? How many miles can you put with a rifle around your neck and hit your targets correctly? Right. And I'm once again, I've never been in them situations, but if you don't put yourself in them situations, if you don't practice, you're never it's going to I mean, you think that you're going to rise to this occasion. It's I mean, maybe I always say the people who say this stuff are the same people who've never really been in a fist fight. If you've ever been in a fight, there's no it's not UFC. It's not super fucking cool. It is the most awkward, like gravity punch, you know, survival situation that it could possibly be at certain times. I've also seen some fights in front of me that were like movies, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, most of the time, that's not the situation. It's really awkward and it's weird and it's kind of ugly and like, it's just not the cleanest thing. Like that is what uh, the whole fabric of America could be in one flick of a switch. It could be this weird ugly, uncomfortable, who is what and where and how. And we don't communicate enough with our neighbors as it is. That's, you know, social media. 
It's so that you can socialize on your phone without moving. There's all of these plays that have been introduced over the years. And of course, a lot of you are hearing this. A lot of you know this. Everyone knows it because you're already aware. There's no correct answer on what to do. So everyone just assumes that there, there's just nothing you can do about it. And this is what's going to happen when that happens. Hollywood has painted those pictures in your mind. You aren't capable enough of actually deciding what is going to happen during a time of catastrophe. But you think what's going to happen is what happens in the movies. I believe that the elite powers of the world, the ones that are running everything, that control everything, like the building codes and the laws that are passed and the Hollywood movies that are produced. Remember, all of those Hollywood movies are clues. Those are in intentionally put there to make you have an idea of what the truth is, but you're not allowed to have the whole truth as long as you're committed to this. As long as you're feeding into that, it's how they avoid a karmic response from their actions because they believe if they can give you a clue or a heads up when they actually do that thing, they're not going to wreak the karma from it because they gave you a chance, right? Do you feel the pressure from mainstream media yet? Do you feel the pressure from Hollywood or wokeness, or the decisions that are being made by the elite to make you feel like you are not in control. If you don't feel that pressure from any place in America right now, good for you. Good for fucking you. Because I know people, no matter what your walk of life is, like that strain of that rope is continuing to get tight on the population. And it's only a matter of time until that pendulum swings back and... You know, is it going to swing back or is the board going to get flipped up? You know, statistically speaking, by the numbers again, we're kind of out of room for what the average country lasts on Earth since the beginning of it throughout all time and all humans. And we are no exception this generation or this time. Will it be sooner than later? I don't know, man. That's a I would love to have this conversation with any other person because I know if you were to ask yourself that, there's no way that you can promise everything will be perfect in four years. Think about your kids. Think about your job. Could you put your hand up and know the truth and say that you could promise that everything will be picture perfect in four years? No. There's no way you could. Maybe maybe you can, but even even if you if you're telling yourself it will be, you know there's a voice in your back of your head that says everything's a little bit weird right now. Country's never been this in this type of predicament. The workforce, the dude, just just you name it, right? Up is down, left is right, boys are girls. Uh our our people are the weakest, our buildings are the weakest, our military has dude, such a uh uncoordinated agreement on what the right thing to do is depending on who is in charge of what but how would you get off the x so to speak right that's how would you react if all of them things start happening around you what do you do and remember hesitation is death so i don't know if you've never been in a fist fight I don't know, maybe you don't ride dirt bikes. If you don't do these things that kind of put your heart at a little bit of a jolt, you know, that's, you know, if that gets you out of breath, if that's, you know, you know something that you can't handle very often, like what's going to happen when these things actually start to fall apart around you? What's going to be your initial 
reaction. So, I mean, I guess I keep going, man. I don't know really. It's kind of what the point I was going to make is like, think about right now. You know, if not right now, but whenever that happens, what's your first move? If you hear loud noises, if you see smoke and fire, if you see people of a different skin color running around, I mean, are you brave enough to run in with with a rifle blazing? Is that the smart thing to do, right? Do, do you even expose or, or, or attempt to... You know, you know what's what's the the right thing to do there, and the only answer really lies directly in your family and your community. It's those around you, and what you're capable of. Where are you gonna go? What are you gonna do? And you know, how do you see yourself playing that out? Are you gonna die in the first week? Are you going to be one of them people who don't know what to do when their phone's not charged? Do you have a clue? Have you ever thought about it? And if any of these little things have sprung a bell or made you think about something or opened a conversation, have that conversation with the person next to you. Talk about it at work. Talk about it with your family. Talk about it with your friends. Hey, what do you guys think would happen if, you know, 10 dudes all came up in the neighborhood. See what their answers are. And when they answer, see if their actions, their physical state, and any of the things that you know they're capable of line up with what they think that they're going to do. And then what do you think that you're going to do? And try to have those conversations more often. I think it's important in this day and age. Um, Note I'm going to close on is... uh, Went to the uh, old gun store down the road here, local gun store, a couple days ago. Was uh, looking at some pistols. And a uh, kid came in about, uh, I think, the, he was with his, uh, his dad. Dad said, the, uh, yeah, my, my 14-year-old son here got this rifle given to him by his grandpa. I don't know what caliber the rifle was, man, but it was pretty. It was nice. Had some little tracings on the, the chamber and stuff, man. It was really cool looking. And... uh the guy at the gun store said, dang, man, that's a real name. It was lever action. He says, this is, this is a nice gun you got here. Where'd you get this thing? And the dad uh, dad said, yeah, my, my boy here got this from his grandpa. And, um, you know, we went out and shot it a couple times. He said, but uh, he wants to see if he could trade it in for AR-15. And uh, the boy kind of smiled real big. And uh, the guy was like, why do you want to get rid of this? And the kid said, I don't really want to get rid of it. He said, but if I'm going to have a gun that I'm training with all the time, I think I need to have one that I could use in a firefight. And I kind of looked up, you know, I kind of looked to my right, and I had kind of eyeballed the kid, you know, regular-looking 15-year-old kid, you know, kind of old country dad, old camouflage and boots, both of them, you know, it was just normal-looking people. But, uh, yeah, that's the temperature on the ground, you know. If you're going to have a, a gun, you know, deer hunting's important, but... The idea of self-defense is very, I don't know, it was just, it was, it was a cool, I don't know if that was cool, I don't know, it was, it was a temperature check on the ground for me as far as uh, what everybody is thinking and what we're in, what we might be in for. And a lot of these things, I'm, I'm not kidding, I've been having these conversations since I was, you know, 20 years old and anybody who's ever worked with me, you know that I bring up things all the time that I'd get told, shh, 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 
you doing? What are you talking about, man? Hey, you need to watch what you're saying. There's cameras around here. They record us. If somebody catches you saying that, I said, like, well, it's, do you think this is a concern? Why is this just here? Why can just anybody walk up to this? Yeah, so uh, fabric of America is thin. And if it does break or falls apart or begins to in any way, shape, or form, what, uh, what are you going to do? What's going to be your first move? Bring up the conversation, guys. And uh, if you're not getting after it this year, look into 75 hard. Look into 3 of 7, first form. Find some people that are all out there willing to help you. If you're willing to help yourself, you know, get off the X whenever you want. So go win the day and uh, kick Satan right in the nutsack. Peace out.